Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Julian Duerschmidt, who's VP of Global Supply Chain Optimization at Geotis. And today we're going to talk about the journey to global supply chain visibility. Now, this is a journey that you know, many companies have been on you know, for many years, yet they still haven't reached you know, that, that promised land. Uh, so why is that? Well, you know, what are some of the factors or some of the hurdles that companies have to get over to, to, to reach that global supply chain end-to-end -end visibility? Um, you know, what are some of the critical uh, capabilities or foundational uh, things that companies need to have in place to, to get started on this journey and, and to succeed? And um, you know, how, are, um, you know, how do you ultimately link supply chain visibility with actual business benefits? Well, those are some of the questions we're going to explore uh, in today's episode, and uh, it's great to have uh, Julian on the program to share his insights and perspective uh, on this topic. Uh, so, Julian, welcome to the program. Adrian, thank you very much. I look forward to talking about uh, visibility across the supply chain and where customers or where people or companies are today. It's uh, near and dear to my heart and very integral to the role I play at Geotis today. Well, great, great. Uh, absolutely. It's always a topic that's, uh, you know, top of mind for a lot of uh, industry executives. And... Um, like I always like to do when I bring on a new guest to the program, I mean, we've had some of your colleagues there at Geotis on the program, but this is your first time. So I'm always curious, you know, how and why people got into this uh, crazy and dynamic industry that we're in to begin with. So uh, before we get into talking about global supply chain visibility, why don't we, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your career path, how and why you got involved with uh, supply chain and kind of what your current role and responsibilities are there at Geotis. Yep. Love to do that. And uh and I, I could tell you that I started as a supply chain guy from the beginning, but you know that isn't true because uh, the terminology didn't exist when I was in at university. Um, but uh, my, my career has had a couple of different aspects to it and, uh, and quite honestly, very enjoyable. The first half of my career, I would say, you know, 14, 15 years was spent on the shipper side. So I worked with primarily Mars was one of the big companies I worked with for about 13, 14 years. And the jobs I had evolved into global supply chain management. I was setting up their affiliate businesses in different parts of the world uh, with products that came out of the US. And then I actually moved to Asia for four years with them where I actually was able to set up distribution networks in every country in Asia, except Japan. That was part of a different business unit. But uh, very exciting times. Um, this was in the, the late 90s, early 2000s. Then I moved into a, a head of global supply chain with a company called Fisker's Brands, a consumer products company, and uh, was able to set up uh, uh, distribution networks in Europe, distribution networks in the U.S., set up a sourcing office in, uh, in China to source a couple hundred million dollars worth of products out of the factories there. So got, got a good understanding of shipper supply chains. Uh, then the last 12, 13 years, I've been uh, with the 3PL network. So I started with Excel, right, as DHL uh, took them over, and, uh, you know, that went on for a few years. Then I joined Jacobson up until XPO, did all their purchases and uh, acquisitions. Uh, and then the last four or five years was with DB Schenker. So I've worked with some of the giants on the 3PL industry. Uh, one other interesting aspect before I joined Geotis is uh, over the last uh, few years ago, I actually taught at uh, Iowa State for a few years and taught a uh, principles of supply chain management course to their students. It was a required business class 301 and what an exciting opportunity to share my knowledge and to share with them how things really happen in the real world. And uh, it was a great experience. Uh, unfortunately, when you're in global supply chain, you tend to travel too much. And uh, so I was, I, you know, I needed to stop doing that. 
but now at Geodis, I'm working with customers and companies that actually want to have improved supply chain visibility. And we do that because I'm in a more neutral division of the Geodis uh, line of businesses where we provide, you know, LLP services and 4PL services. You know, our view LLP is where you really want a lead logistics provider to provide visibility um, as to what's going on at every point along your supply chain. Uh, 4PL, is, our view is it, it, it takes a, it a step further and actually holds us accountable for the execution and visibility across the supply chain. So that's kind of where I'm at today and I'm excited to be here. Well, you know, great, uh, great journey there, uh, you know, uh, really touching upon various uh, uh, dimensions of, of the industry, you know, in the front lines as a shipper and uh, in a global role, uh, you know, as an academic, you know, and, and being able to teach. Uh, and then now, you know, on, as, a, as part of a logistics service provider and, and working with clients in that, that realm. I mean, I started my career, um, you know, at Motorola in manufacturing. So I, I, I didn't get started in supply chain either. At least I, I was in supply chain, but I didn't know it was supply chain at that time. <laughs> you knew <and> both. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's only looking back that, uh, you know, certainly having that frontline experience provides a, a unique, uh, you know, perspective. At least you can, you know, you've been in those, uh, and you've been in the shoes that many other companies are, are dealing with today. And, and I also had a, a teaching stint that, uh, here at Northeastern University. I taught supply chain management at the, uh, at the executive MBA program. So oh, I, I had my fingers on, on that as well. So some, some parallels there between, uh, uh, between you yeah. and I. Um, so so let's, let's talk now about, you know, achieving global end-to-end su -end supply chain visibility. Like I mentioned in my opening remarks, I mean, that, that has been a top priority for companies, for, you know, for, for many, many years, but it still seems to be a challenging goal, <laughs> you know, to achieve. I mean, from, from your perspective, Going back to when you were in the front lines and now with the clients you work with, I mean, why is that? Why is it so challenging to achieve? I mean, what are some of the, the big hurdles and blind spots that companies have? Well, you know, first of all, I just want to reemphasize you're right. It is a big issue today. And uh, I think Gardner just released a study not to, you know, a chart just a few weeks ago, actually, or that's when I saw it. Was it and it, it talked to, you know, supply chain executives. What, what, where are they spending the most money in their supply chain today? And number one on that list was visibility and transparency. So, you know, back when I was running supply chains and we were trying to get that and, you know, we couldn't quite grab it and then find it, you know, you're finding that companies today are still struggling with that. Um, first off, off is really how do you define visibility? You know, do you find it at, and do you know what you need? Do you know what you want? Um, you know, is it, uh, do you want visibility or do you want reliability? Because some 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 people some companies want to see instantaneously where their products are along the way, but what they really need is to know that each touch point along the way is going to be 99.9% accurate in being there. Um, some of the other issues that are coming up today, which is which is what I'm finding as I work with more of the small medium-sized companies, is companies are doing a, they're they're redeveloping themselves themselves they're reshaping themselves and they're doing that through acquisitions they're doing that through shedding businesses and bringing on more businesses, and I I frequently get in front of customers even today that they say well you know we've got six or seven different business units. They've come to us over the last several years because we're growing and we're building all this, this new business that's based on our strategy. Yeah, we got a lot of the same customers, a lot of the same suppliers, but we're decentralized. We're all independent little businesses. And so your chief supply chain officer comes in and one of the first thing they want to understand is, you know, the visibility of what's going on across the organization. So, and then another aspect too is, um, 
and maybe this is more applicable in the, the auto industry, but maybe not, maybe in other industries as well, is kind of the upstream visibility. Because, you know, you may pull products from a contract manufacturer, but they've got a supply chain to support you. So if you have a supplier that's not hitting your targets, that's, that's losing performance, you know, you might want to get in and work with them. Well, I, I know I certainly would want to get in with work with them and say, okay, so why are you not getting these products on time? Do you have visibility of these components coming into your factory to meet the needs? Um, and then I guess one of the final pieces of, uh, of why today is, is data connectivity. It's, you know, do we have the data? Where's the data coming from? How do we integrate it and how do we get it into our system so we can make it visible? So, and then with that comes the managing of performance. You know, are you measuring and managing that performance along the way? You know, you brought up a lot of great, you know, a lot of great points. And I think, um, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, particularly, you know, I work a lot with, you know, technology companies. And, and I think there's a tendency to kind of equate visibility with, you know, some, some nice portal or, or dashboard, right? Some kind of technology solution. But the, but the reality is that there's a lot um, behind that, uh, you know, to really make supply chain visibility a, a, an achievable goal. And, and I think one of the things you said, you know, early on is like, what, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to achieve visibility or, or reliability? And I think that suggests that one of the key things that companies need to do first is really, you know, define what is your desired objective and then put in the right metrics that you're trying to, uh, you know, that you're going to be measuring to see if you're uh, going to be achieving those goals and then what role will visibility play in, in achieving those metrics. So I think that's, I think, you know, uh, that's one of the key things that I heard, you know, you, you, you say there. The other thing is, you know, a lot of companies that I talk to, and maybe it's because I tend to think more around transportation, but I, I think a lot of the focus historically has been on, kind of transportation visibility, right? Where's, where's the truck? Where's the shipment? Where's the order? But, but I think as you suggested, with a lot of companies I'm beginning to talk more and more, when they're talking about true end-to-end -end visibility, it's about also having visibility to, hey, what's the work in progress at my manufacturing supplier, uh, you know, contract manufacturer? You know, where, what is the status of that order, um, you know, within their manufacturing process? Or even with a retailer, you know, they want to know what's the inventory on hand that uh, my supplier has if I want to do a drop shipment, right? So if I've got an e-commerce site and I want to, you know, have this endless aisle e-commerce site and I want to be, have my suppliers drop ship many of the orders, well, I need to know what the inventory positions are of my suppliers so I, so I can do available, you know, so I know what's available to promise type of thing. So I think it goes beyond, you know, the transportation piece. And then obviously the last mm -hmm. point, the data piece, you know, it's the classic garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> you know, type of scenario, which I think a lot of companies still struggle with, you know, in terms of that data quality management, right? You know, I was visiting one of our control towers recently and, uh, and, you know, I think and thought everything is automatically uploaded, boom, it's done, it's in the system, everything's good. But I was surprised how much actual manual work we still did in that control tower. Now, having said that, the majority of the manual work is around exceptions. So an exception gets flagged, boom, someone's got to jump on it physically and, and look through it, you know, chase the emails, chase the, the sites to find out exactly where that product is. But you brought up a good point. It's not so much about where the shipments are today, it's where the inventory is. And that's working, as you mentioned, raws and packs in, in process, as well as, you know, shipping along the way. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a much broader definition for, for, for sure. And I think you, you talked about kind of defining, you know, you start out by saying, well, what is the definition of, of global and 10 supply well, chain visibility? And, you know, of course, as the pace of change has, has increased, so has the need to make 
you know, smarter decisions faster. So as a result, you know, you're hearing more and more about, you know, the need for real-time visibility, you know, quote-unquote real-time visibility. But, but what's the, you know, true definition of, of real-time, right? And then... Well, you just really gave your definition, yeah. Right. right, is it really needed, you know, across all, <laughs> in all aspects? And, and then how is it enabled today, especially when, you know, when you look at how many supply chain processes, you know, it's still being powered by EDI, which is anything but, you know, real-time. EDI is a point in time. You're absolutely right. Um, but I, I agree. A definition, my definition, because again, everybody's going to have a different view, I think. Um, my definition is real time's instantaneous. It's now. You know, the, the universal example that everyone gets today is Uber. Okay. You, you, you press confirm, you watch the car come to you. You go, oh, there it is on the other side of the street. You know what? I think I'm going to walk across the street and catch it a minute earlier. Now I've made a dynamic distribution decision there because now I'm going to get to my site, you know, to my end location a minute or two earlier. Is that important? Probably not most of the time, but in the global supply chain, what if you're managing a very important pharmaceutical products that have to get to a doctor that's in an operating room? You know, now that extra minute could be life-saving. Yeah, that's a great point. So I think, you know, I think that the, the definition of what's important in terms of the timeliness and the accuracy and the completeness of the data that you need and the visibility you need is really depend on the context in which it's going to be used, right? So, you know, you really don't need instantaneous visibility to a ship that's in the ocean that's going to take another three weeks to get here, right? So maybe a, 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 even an hourly might be even too much, but, you know, uh, but then again, if it's a life-saving or just-in-time operation, uh, you know, there that's the time dimension becomes much more, you know, much more critical. I, I think what we're seeing today, though, is that technology is beginning to enable this more effectively than it was, you know, in the past. So we're seeing, you know, even though EDI still dominates with many supply chain processes, we're beginning to see APIs being used more now. We're yeah. beginning to see GPS and real-time location systems being used more. Um, so, so I think on the technology side is, is actually beginning to catch up with the promise that was made, you know, many years ago around enabling real-time visibility, right? Yeah, well, and the te technology is so overwhelming today. You can get so much more than we ever could, which is leading people to say, well, do I really want visibility or do I want reliability? You know, I can get the visibility at a cost, but do I want it? And, uh, you know, real-time has really evolved from, as you mentioned earlier, the EDI uplinks, you know, which comes across Every time that product or that invoice is scanned, you know, you get an EDI read that says, here it is. And it, you can track it along the way so you can see where it's at. But real-time visibility that we're able to do now, you know, again, through GPS tracking, either cellular or through um, satellite, which satellite's going to be the much more reliable and longer range tracking device. You know, this has left RFID kind of out in the cold because that used to be a way we used to track products and we still do and they can be used in conjunction with each other. But one of the things you got to understand is if you're going to have real time instantaneously information, information, no matter where your products are, you actually have, at least to my knowledge, you have to have a tracking device attached to it. And that tracking device today is a physical tracking device. Now, I'm sure it's getting smaller and smaller and I'm sure it's going to get cheaper and cheaper. But that's not where we're at today. Right, right. And I think, you know, just practically speaking, I know with just even real-time freight visibility in terms of tracking where a truck is, you know, you, you get into a situation where you get data overload, right? If you're getting pings, every, if you're pinging every minute, 
Uh, I mean, I think right now, I think the sweet spot that I hear from most shippers are using these technologies, like getting a ping every 15 minutes or so. Uh, but if you're getting, you know, so, so the, the problem you can end up with is having information overload, right? And then getting too yeah. much data. And again, if you don't have to define what the objectives are or what to do with that information, you're just going to get, uh, you know, overwhelmed by, by all, the, uh, all the noise out there. <laughs> well, you know what it's doing? It's filling up all those data centers. I live in a town where we have about four or five of these big data centers. They're huge complexes of buildings that are nothing but a big computer, right? That's right. Well, Amazon with their, with their cloud service and, and Microsoft and all those, yeah, they're happy to kind of crunch and get as much data as possible because they'll charge you uh, for it. Uh, so, so let's talk now about how companies should get started on, on this journey. I mean, what, what, what's your experience? I mean, what, what are some of the building blocks or, or um, again, foundational capabilities required to you know, get started? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I mean, it, it really starts with a, a discussion with your internal stakeholders, you know, you, you, and a strategy of the business, if you will. Is it, is it customer service that we are? Are we a customer-centric company? Is it customer service at any point? Because then, you know what, by having, um, you know, having real-time visibility, that creates a wow factor to the customer because there's no unknowns. They can see where it is all the time. But you really need to understand from a strategic standpoint what it is you need to be measuring, what are the benefits you're expecting from these tighter measurements? Because typically, you know, the more real time, closer to real time you get, you know, the higher expense you're going to pay, whether it be through tracking devices or whether it be through more information, more connectivity, et cetera. Um, so why do you need instantaneous versus, say, a milestone, you know, for reliability? What data is available? So that's the other piece companies need to ask themselves you know, what kind of suppliers am I working with? Am I working with top tier suppliers that have the same kind of systems and IT infrastructure that we do? Or are we working with, uh, you know, emerging market, small little garages and small little manufacturing plants that are producing small components and, you know, they may, you know, they may still have some kind of connectivity, but it's not on the same level of systems. So those are the first things you, uh, you, you want to ask. And if you're looking for real time, you also got to ask yourself, okay, I need a tracking device. So am I spending the money on the tracking device with every shipment or am I going to be able to get those back and reuse them? Because if you spend two, $300 for a device and you use it once, you know, that's one question. If you can use it 100 times, it becomes a much better proposition. Yeah, no, all, all great points. And I think one of the things, so uh, like we said before, I think starting out with really asking those questions in terms of what, what's our objective, what are we trying to accomplish, I think is, is important. The other thing you, you brought up is just kind of the, the, the reality that, um, you know, when you talk about end-to-end -end supply chain visibility, you're involving your external trading partner, right? The, your suppliers, Absolutely. your customers, carriers, contract manufacturers, and, and so forth. And, and I think the reality has been for a lot of companies historically is they, they kind of took the 80-20 rule, right? They kind of, they kind of focus on, you know, those 20% of trading partners that provide that 80% of the transactions and they focus their visibility efforts there. But now they're realizing that, hey, you know, because the pace of change is so rapid and, um, you know, the margin for error is, is so much smaller, we really need to address that long tail of our supply chains and figure out a way to, bring that other 80% of our trading partners that historically have still either they're sending it information via fax or they're sending an email with an Excel spreadsheet or some form. How do we get that 80%? You know, and this is why there's so much buzz around digital transformation or yep. so forth. And a big part of that is, you know, bringing that long tail of supply, uh, the supply chain 
um, you know, getting them digitally connected to have that visibility because right now that's, those are the big black holes, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Great. So, you know, uh, another thing that I hear a lot from companies is, you know, the, even the word visibility is kind of this amorphous, you know, thing and, and mm -hmm. they're trying to get more, you know, tangible and say, you know, well, how do we link, um, you know, supply chain visibility with, with, with actual, you know, business benefits. I mean, can, can you share some examples of, of how, you know, companies are leveraging visibility to, you know, get, get supply chain benefits? Yeah. Um, you know, s several areas uh, that companies work on, you know, when, the, when you have more visibility of your inventory for one, um, your planning can be a little more robust. You can start to look at <clears throat> projects that are going to perhaps take uh, days or weeks of supply of inventory out of your network. Um, you know, because if you look at uh, one of the biggest expenses customers or companies have in logistics, it's about their inventory. It's about the cost of maintaining that inventory level at one, two, three, four different sites. So you get better uh, better inventory planning perspective, which leads to better operations planning. Your manufacturing can be on a better cycle. They can maybe make changeovers a little more regularly because they're confident that the products are going to be there. Uh, customer service um, does improve as you have more visibility because customers, you know, they don't want the unknown. They want to know that it's on the way. They want to know where it is. You know, when I go to our parcel services, you know, express services and, you know, they gave me my point to point to point, you know, I know, you know, oh, my package is here in my city, but is it on my truck today? Well, you don't know until it gets delivered. Once they, you know, that's the final point is it got loaded on the truck at 840 this morning. Well, did it? Did both packages get loaded on or just one? You know, so it gives you more confidence. But some of the more tangible benefits are quality. You know, some customer or some products, you know, temperature and humidity is important. So the more real time you get with quality of products, the better confidence you have that the quality has been maintained throughout the supply chain. You know, back in the day when I was working with Mars sending ice cream around the world, we literally put a tracking device in every single container, but it was buried at the, you know, actually we put more towards the end of the container. And it literally took the temperature every, whatever, 15 minutes or so. And so, but it got to its destination and someone had to put it in a package, set, ship it back to us. So a week later, we finally got the reading that said, oh yeah, everything was good on that connect. Oh no, there was two hours where that temperature wasn't maintained. So, you know, that's where real-time information can be helpful from a quality perspective and also a loss perspective, which could lead to lower uh, insurance premiums. You know, so, um, you know, it also gives you the fact, uh, an ability to make decisions a little sooner. You know, maybe you can get your back calls lined up faster if you're confident the product's only an hour away. Um, you can schedule at the docks, you know, maybe avoid detention charges. So there are other costs that can be reduced. But I'll give you two examples of studies and projects we're doing today. One is with a customer that has very high value goods, and we are literally spending a million dollars to track a thousand shipments for them on this pilot. And the reason for this is they get losses and damages. Now, the losses aren't necessarily, in this instance, aren't because of pilferage. The loss is just, where did that last box go? It's not there, um, or damages. And so what we're trying to understand on these shipments is, you know, is it sitting on the tarmac for a, you know, a day versus being put on the plane right away? Is it, you know, where are these, where and when are some of these damages occurring? Because we do get some damage rates. Um, another example uh, with a customer we're working with is, 
is very high value products um, and high pilferage products, but uh, they're consumer products. So they're not, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, you can't spend a lot of money tracking them. So, but what we're doing is we're, you know, in most cases it's full truckloads, the products all go together. So what we're doing is we're, we're tracking each, um, each container, each truck, where you put a mother tracker in the, in the container or in the, in the truck somewhere. And then each of the pallets get a child tracking. So what we're tracking then is as the truck is moving through the supply chain, um, did we lose, you know, once, once one of those child pallets gets out of range from the mother tracker, uh, we get an exception. It says, whoa, you've just lost a pallet. And again, this is product that's fairly high pilferage. You know, we've lost product at the ports. We've lost product in distribution centers. But again, these products should always be together. So we're using this tracking device to figure out where and when and, and hopefully react instantaneously when we do find out there's an issue. So what these things do in, in most respects is they're creating an exception management. Yeah, that's a great example. As you were describing those two cases, you know, it reminded me of that famous Harvard Business School review um, uh, case study or article around stapling yourself to a purchase order, right? So that, you, can, <laughs> you know, you can see, you know, the journey, you know, that takes place, you know, of, of an order from origin to, to final destination, or in that case of the case, you know, when you place an order and, you know, all the different transactions take place. But yeah, I mean, I think it's very revealing to kind of see the things that happen on the ground, if you will, uh, as something moves from, from point A to point B, um, you know, especially the longer the supply chain is, the, the more opportunities for, you know, disruptions or damage or pilferage or, or things to kind of go wrong, if you will, and, and being able to have that data and that visibility, um, you know, ultimately, you can, like, like you said, you can make that, that connection to, um, you know, real costs that, that uh, companies are incurring today because they just don't know. Right, what, what, what yeah. the, the root causes uh, of these things, and I, I like the fact you brought up, you know, customer service and customer experience. I mean, that's something that we've done. You know, this year we did some research that kind of showed that customer experience is becoming a, a supply chain metric, and it's becoming an area that many uh, organizations are uh, looking to compete on. Right, so it's not just cost is always going to be important, and cost management is always going to be important, but cost has become. I mean, uh, customer experience has become. Uh, for many uh, uh, innovative companies has become the main driver of, uh, of innovation and, and main driver of, of continuous improvement projects is to improve on, on that dimension, which I think is, uh, is inter interesting. Well, Julian, we're, we're running short on time here, so I'm just going to okay. go right to my, my, my last question here. I mean, as, as a way to wrap up, I mean, what questions you know, should companies ask themselves to assess whether they're kind of a leader or a laggard when it comes to you know, global end-to-end -end supply chain visibility? Um, well, today, I, I would say the leaders are probably managing their supply chain performance, and they know what their performance is. They have the visualization of what's happening through, you know, dashboards or other means. Um, they have a planning process, they have inventory, finished goods, all that is, is more or less, um, <clears throat> you know, you get that information visible to you. What um, they're also working on is they're also taking things to the next level. So they're, they know where their gaps are. And they're putting, they're applying Six Sigma, they're applying lean thinking to get it even better. So continuous improvement is actually being done when they're already at levels that other companies aspire to. And those are really the leaders. The other thing is they have control of the data. They know what their data is. They know why they want to use it. You know, the laggards out there today <clears throat> probably don't quite know why they have issues in their supply chain. 
And so they're throwing lots of darts out there trying to figure out what the right answer is. They think visibility will give them the answer when really what they're looking for is the reliability. And so once they start to understand their performance and where their gaps are, and once they start to dive in and start putting projects in place to address them, then they'll move up the, the ladder, if you will, and become, you know, join the leaders. Great, great points. Well, Julian, like I always say at the end of all our episodes, you know, we always manage to scratch the surface on these topics. And certainly visibility is one of those topics that you can put a whole conference together just to talk about this, uh, this one topic. But I think you provided some great insights and advice and, and food for thought for companies. So uh, thank you very much for making the time to be with us today. Adrian, thank you very much for allowing me to spend some time with you and uh, look forward to uh, better visibility in our supply chains. Absolutely. Uh, I want to thank those of you that joined us today. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Geodis website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Julian, you can post it there, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us, and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.